On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. If you like the Indo-Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, the never-ending Tory, how is Boris Johnson still Prime Minister? Last night, Mr Johnson received 211 votes of support, 148 MPs, 41% of the Tory parliamentary party voted for him to go. So Boris remains in power, but just for how long? The British public are fed up with a Prime Minister who promises big but never delivers. Fed up with a Prime Minister who's presided over a culture of lies and law-breaking at the heart of government. And with an air of rebellion in the ranks, what is the likely outcome of this latest push for power within the Conservative Party? And what are its consequences for Northern Ireland? I'm Siobhan Maguire, and today I'm joined by political journalist at the Irish Independent, John Downing. John, Monday's vote of confidence in Boris Johnson was described by himself as convincing. But is this really the case? No, it's not. History teaches us that narrow wins or relatively narrow wins are the beginning of the end. We saw it going right back to 1990, November 1990, Margaret Thatcher. While she won such a vote, she actually quit some days later. Uh, John Major won a confidence vote in 1995. He managed to limp on to a disastrous general election about about 18 months later. And more recently, uh, in December 2018, Theresa May won a vote of no confidence. Uh, But she was, uh, months later, she announced she was quitting. She was gone, replaced by Boris Johnson in July 2019. But the rule states that there can't be uh, another confidence vote in Boris, right? Sure. So where does this leave him on the heave front? Well, the first thing is, as there was, one of the things which precipitated uh, Theresa May to quit, as she did in, in the spring of 2019, was a move to change the rule. The rule as it stands says that once you get through a confidence vote, once you win it, there may not be another one for 12 months. However, that's just a rule. They could change the rule. So the next sort of pressure point could well be 
a move to change the rule. There's two particular moments at which I expect we might see those rules changed. The first is if um, if, if he suffers heavy um, defeats at the two by-elections coming up and significant new um, numbers of Conservative MPs start, I suppose, lobbying the 1922 committee. The other one is um, in, the, in the autumn when a new 1922 committee is put into place and under a new committee, new rules might well be brought in. What is very interesting with the, the level of the vote, uh, so many voted against him. Uh, 160, 170 uh, Tory MPs are one way or another getting a, an extra payment for a government post of one kind or another. People looking at the, ma- at the crude mathematics of Monday's vote are saying perhaps as few as 40 backbenchers actually supported him. There could be uh, resignations uh, in numbers from the backbenchers. There may well be other pressure points where their support will will again be exposed to be very much in doubt. Um, It's interesting that you say that because it's very obvious that Conservative confidence has been shaken to its core at the moment. I mean, you had um, Northern Ireland politicians coming out and saying the Prime Minister is now living on, on borrowed time. So there's an awful lot going on behind the scenes, John, um, as as far as his peers are concerned about how Boris is performing. But of course, where he's uh, on stage, he's saying everything is grand. So well, I think this is a, a very good result for, for politics and for for the country, just in it's just I, I do just in, in this sense, I think it's a, a convincing result, a decisive result, and what it what it means is that as a, as a government, we can move on and focus on the stuff that I think really matters to people. Well, one of the strengths he has, but one or two strengths he has. Uh, firstly, you can't definitively say that he's on the skids because he's a very unusual politician, uh, a very atypical. And he doesn't play by by normal rules. He doesn't look at precedent and go with that. He he tends to try to write his own precedents. His second point of strength that he has in a funny way is that he has no choice but to fight. And he has decided that he is going to fight. He says, look, that's that dealt with. We'll move on now to the things that uh, really matter. Cost of living, war in Europe, and and other key issues so he he will pro- he will begin immediately to try to fill that space and try to fight back the governor of the bank of england descri- has described the upcoming economic situation which the united kingdom faces as apocalyptic and basically the main difficulty is that Tory backbenchers standing for re-election, uh, perhaps in within the next two years, don't believe he's a vote-getter. In fact, they believe he's going to lose some votes. 
I mean, it was fairly obvious um, how the public is feeling at the moment with the the Jubilee celebrations over the weekend. And we saw Boris and and, uh, Carrie Johnson uh, walk up the steps um, at one point. And just this kind of cacophony of booze, John. And this past weekend, public anger came to a head when Johnson was publicly booed outside London's iconic St. Paul's Cathedral at a special service for Queen Elizabeth's platinum Jubilee. Yeah, and that that I think was of itself. That happened uh, Friday, three days before the vote. Uh, Carrie Johnson, Boris Johnson, uh, climbing the steps of St Paul's Cathedral for a, a Thanksgiving service to honour Queen, Queen Elizabeth the Second's seventy years on the throne. He was booed by the crowd. Now that of itself was an omen. Well, I'm trying to avoid being too sniffy or pejorative here, but the type of person who goes to catch a glimpse of royalty and wave at the the queen and the the princes and princesses and all the rest of that is more usually a Tory type of person, a Middle England Daily Mail reader, probably. Uh, So if you've lost them, that is a significant uh, loss. And I think that of itself was a signal to some of the wavering, let's say, the more unhappy backbenchers, but who were prepared to swallow and say, well, look, it's Boris. If he can tidy up his act and harden up, we'll persist with him. Then they see that boo and they think, nah, look, this isn't going to work. And of course, John, uh, the the factors um, that are annoying the British public are very similar to those annoying the Irish public at the moment. The cost of living, um, the war on Ukraine and its effect on on fuel shortages. Um, But of course, uh, COVID-19 and in particular in the UK, how that was handled by Boris Johnson's government that, you know, people had to had to stay put um, adhere to the rules and uh, against all of this you had of course Partygate. Absolutely Uh, a whole series of things let's quickly go back Boris Johnson became Prime Minister in July 2019 and since then he's had uh, he he had uh, a great win in general election in December 2019 and a majority of 80 seats Huge stuff. And at that stage, people were saying, look, he'll be comfortably be prime minister for 10 years with that kind of majority and that kind of political success. But they're just followed. He quickly managed to lurch from one scandal to another. Uh, there, there was the whole business of Dominic Cummings, his uh, chief advisor. Firstly, Uh, Cummings just got him into a whole heap full of trouble. Uh, Firstly, about very ropey appointments in Downing Street. Secondly, about COVID-19. Then that moved on to a vicious and damaging public feud after he gave Dominic Cummings the road. Then later, he he defended a Tory colleague uh, who was... Uh, accused of lobbying improperly and and against ethics uh, legislation. He had to do a very humiliating new turn on that. There was a row about uh, the funding for uh, the the refurbishment of his flat in Downing Street, paid for by a party donor. And then the big one, 
Partygate, the cherry on the cake, so to speak. I can tell you once again that I certainly broke no rules. Uh, all that is being looked into. All guidance was followed uh, completely during number 10. I can tell you that the guidelines were followed at all times. So I welcome the Met's decision to conduct its own investigation because I believe this will help to give the public the clarity it needs and help to draw a line under matters. I understand the anger that many will feel that I myself fell short when it came to observing the very rules which the government I lead had introduced to protect the public. Uh, today I've received a fixed penalty notice from the Metropolitan Police relating to an event in Downing Street on the 19th of June 2020 and let me say immediately that I've paid the fine and I once again offer a full apology. Um, he was done basically for uh, participating in social occasions um, against the rules that he himself put through. There's a recent book by a guy called Simon Cooper about uh, the influence of a certain cadre of Oxford graduates on the government of Britain, chief among them being Boris Johnson. Two things from that. One is this uh, dining and boozing club called the Bullington. And they, their sort of uh, credo is, uh, A, we make the rules, B, the rules don't apply to us. That's a kind familiar. Of, that's a kind of thumbnail sketch of Partygate. Yeah. They made all the lockdown rules and they f and decided uh, for the nation and the nation suffered all sorts of privations. They did not. They partied, they drank. And the recent report by a senior civil servant, Sue Gray, uh, sh showed a very, very unflattering picture of uh, working life in uh, in. Downing Street actually sounded like a bit of crack, to be honest, uh, a rolling series of drinks parties, but uh, not a good look for a guy who's supposed to be trying to run a country in a time of national crisis. We have the Northern Ireland issue as well, John, because that really showed its true colours post-Brexit in terms of how um, Downing Street was dealing with that particular situation. What is the next chapter for the Northern Ireland Protocol? Well, this is the difficulty. I mean, on the one hand, this is a kind of, it has, for people who like their politics, this is a kind of an entertaining sideshow or that has that element. It's very tragic for your average uh, British citizen. The really annoying thing from an Irish point of view is the impact it has on the island of Ireland, both north and south, uh, to some degree because of power sharing. He's back again, and to uh, mainly it enmeshes entirely with uh, the, the Brexit Northern Ireland Protocol, the special trade status given to Northern Ireland, access to EU markets, but requiring some checks on goods going into Northern Ireland from England, Scotland, Wales. He's now back in cahoots with the Democratic Unionist Party, with Geoffrey Donaldson et al. saying, no, that has to go or that has to be uh, very fundamentally altered. Whoever is the British Prime Minister, we will work with them, of course. Um, but what we don't want to see uh, is, is Ireland being part of a strategy to maintain support within the Conservative Party 
in the context of hardening a position on the Northern Ireland Protocol and, as George Parker has just said, a ripping up international treaty obligations to do that. He twice signed up to it. He previously betrayed the DUP on this issue. Now he is effectively saying, well, in practice, we can't restore power sharing, which raises questions about the future or the longer term future of the Good Friday Agreement. We can't restore uh, power sharing without fundamental change to Brexit. The EU have said, look, we've given you all we can. We're prepared to compromise on how we implement those checks, but there must be checks. So we are absolutely at an impasse on that one. Um, Matthew Parrish, uh, the London Times columnist and the former Tory MP, he said in the wake of the vote that Boris will not last to the end of the summer, but that we could expect to see some big attempts to change the narrative surrounding his leadership. And that would be along the likes of the Northern Ireland Protocol, the Scottish independence and the fight against Russia, to name a few. What do you think is most likely, John? I think he certainly is going to fight and he's going to fill space. He has a lot of international engagements in the days following this vote, for example, which he will try to use to fill the news agenda with with other things. There will be new initiatives on cost of living. There definitely, there was at all events to be an autumn uh, government reshuffle. That is probably going to be brought forward we could well see that in within the next fortnight or weeks at all events. And some of the suspect members of government will undoubtedly get the road. He may try to break up or weaken the anti-Boris alliance in the parliamentary party by promoting, by basically bribing some who were who would be who are rivals or are our critics at present. Uh, all of that to try to try to save, uh, sh- shore up his position. And he will hope, I think, also to get lucky uh, in these matters. The war, uh, as previously happened in the case of, of Margaret Thatcher, war and uh, a so-called sort of khaki election uh, can, can often help or uh, a militaristic view, you know, we, we all have to put put on the national jersey and and row in together. There are possibilities there. That's the kind of thing we're going to see. But I tend to agree. I think it's only a matter of time. I agree with those who say he's lost. It's only a matter of time. I mean, there, there, there is something totally Teflon about him, though. I mean, there's been so many instances um, over the last 12 months where we're all speculating about how much longer has Boris got and yet here he is. Still. Yes, he has a capacity. As I say, he is a very unusual politician. He's one who throws away the rule book and doesn't look much to precedent, is looking to see if he can uh, if he can write his own rules. Sometimes you can do things and get away with things uh, uh, when... The economy is going well and things are on your side. People say, oh, well, he's such a card. Boris, there you are. That's Boris. Sure, there you are. What else are you going to do? Or when the economy begins to tighten, when people begin to hurt, they tend to take a more personal view and a far more critical view of transgressions. 
who are the front runners in the case that Boris goes? Well, the one who instantly put his head over the parapet uh, was is uh, Jeremy Hunt, the former foreign secretary. He's 55 years of age. He finished second to Boris Johnson in 2019. I find he's a bit of a dunderhead. He's a guy who didn't know, who didn't know that Do- the importance of Dover in the, the port of Dover in the whole Brexit. He publicly admitted that in the middle of, of being a foreign secretary. There are others. It's not clear. Rishi Sunak used to be, I think he's the former future leader, uh, the finance minister. He's in. A, he's had all sorts of troubles. He's, his wife's tax affairs, his own uh, status. Of course, he was also fined uh, for, for Partygate, as was Boris Johnson. Uh, Liz Truss, the current foreign secretary and front runner managing Brexit, she fancies her chances. She's uh, a great woman for uh, photo opportunities. Did did this classic one in a tank, which was supposed to mimic and revive uh, images of Margaret Thatch- Thatcher around the time of the Falklands. And another woman in the in the running, Penny Mordaunt, uh, former defence minister, sacked by Johnson. She she uh, has backed. Uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt, she might be there, she mightn't. Uh, watch, there's a man, there's a name you will hear an awful lot more. Watch a guy called Ben Wallace. He's the defence secretary and has been, uh, has got a, a lot of airplay because of the Ukrainian war. And I think he he is very, very popular among Tory rank and file right now as a guy who can do no wrong. Uh, so he could be in there. By the way, previously, Margaret Thatcher uh, came through the middle. Uh, John Major came through the middle. So it may be somebody that we in Ireland don't particularly know much about at all. My thanks there to John Downing, political journalist at the Irish Independent. Today's podcast was presented and produced by myself, Siobhan McGuire. Researched by Gareth Mulhall, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from BBC News, Sky News, ITV News, and RTE News. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review.